Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shan. This week we have a bonus episode of Candyman. This is where it all began. The story of Candyman. Local character, he'd walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He'd been innocent. So he's real? Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. I feel really connected to this story. God. Right here, in this neighborhood, the legend started. Uh-huh. And the legend is, if we say his name five times while looking in the mirror, we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning. I dare you. Don't say that. Say his name. Candyman. You better not do that last one. Candyman. Candyman. You want to be a part of the story, right? No. Say his name. Candyman. Anthony? Anthony. Anthony. Are you okay? What the hell is going on? This neighborhood is haunted. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real. He chose you. He has purpose for you. Tell everyone. <laughs> New to the neighborhood. <laughs> you should say it. Candyman. Say his name. So we will not be discussing part two or three of Candyman. We're going to discuss the new film that we actually got the opportunity to see yesterday night in an advanced screening. And we rewatched the 1992 version or the original version uh, earlier this week. So we'll touch upon some points on that. Um, overall... Well, let's start with how we usually do things. Uh, The movie was directed by Nia Diacosta. No relation (laughs) Uh, to me. That's an inside joke, I guess. And then uh, it was co-written with by her and Jordan Peele and Um, some other dude. I had his name here and then I forgot it. He's uh, the main guy um, uh, that owns Monkey Paw Productions. Um, so the film itself... Wynn Rosenfield, sorry. Wynn Rosenfield. My phone died on me. And the film is starring... His name is Yahya Abdul-Mateen as Anthony McCoy. Vanessa Williams is back yep. in this and... 
that is not if any of you are older than 30 years old. It is not the uh, pageant-winning Vanessa Williams. It's the uh, SAG actress <laughs> Vanessa Williams who is in the original film. Yeah. I think they credit her in something as like Vanessa E. Williams to separate her from the other one. Uh, but now she doesn't have no. She doesn't have to do that anymore. Now it just yeah. it just says Vanessa Williams. Which at the first glance of the screen, I forgot for a second. I was like, wait a second. I don't remember Vanessa Williams being in this film because I was thinking about the other pa- one. Yeah, pageant Vanessa Williams. She's in the film reprising her role. Um, and th- I mean, if you've seen the original film recently, and or you're a big fan of the film. You should already know that the main character is the baby that gets saved, then pulled out of the fire. From the original one, yeah. If you've watched the movie more than a couple of times, as soon as he says his name's Anthony McCoy, you're going to be like, oh, he was the baby from the original Candyman. Yes, so that's not a giveaway. Then we have another person reprising her role, which would be, in a sense, uh, Virginia Manson. Uh, is in the film as well. She's credited. Uh, yeah, you hear mostly uh, audio recordings of her. And a photo. Yeah. I think they probably just had a lot of those audio recordings left over that they didn't use from the original Candyman, so they were probably able to just pull them out and, you know, play a couple of different parts of them we didn't hear. And then we have, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really want to kill this, but Tiona Paris, who's playing uh anthony mccoy's girlfriend in the film she's the same girl from wandavision correct i think she's the same girl from wandavision we're gonna leave it there um so we have this you know this cast jordan peele's obviously involved so if you're not a jordan peele fan skip this one yes she's from wandavision and she looked familiar is just her hairstyle's different. And she was wearing, like, superhero outfits in that mostly, so... Exactly, yeah. So it gives a couple... Because she's, like, playing on, like, an art curator in this film. And all of her clothes are fabulous. Whoever did... I'm going to have, like, a girl moment. So I'm just going to say that the set design is freaking amazing. And the... <laughs> and the clothing... Um, particularly on Tiona Paris's clothing, I just wanted all of those outfits. So kudos to whomever did uh, the wardrobe for the film. I wasn't a fan of the uh, Life Aquatic little scully hat that <laughs> Anthony McCoy's wearing for a large part of the film. That wasn't a popular uh, hat with most of the audience either. The people behind us kept making comments about it too. The one guy kept saying, does he ever take off that damn hat? He's been wearing it for three-fourths of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm not a fan of the hat. But maybe there's some kind of symbolism there. Who knows? Um... Do you have any... Well, let's talk about the opening of the film. So the opening of the film, we were told beforehand that everything that was going to happen in the screen in the opening was correct not to be alarmed because the film, all the credits in the beginning of the film are backwards, like you're looking into a mirror. So I thought that was interesting, but at the same time, it's kind of weird, but it's really like one of those is it like a fourth dimension thing like 
we're the audience looking in the mirror and the mirror is going to tell us the story like reverse you know what i mean yeah it was a, it was an odd thing i'm glad they kind of warned us because i would have been the first one up out of my seat to go tell them that something was wrong i'm sure they're going to encounter that a lot they should yeah. just have like a disclaimer before you you get in well they have the disclaimer about the uh, lights causing uh, potential seizures so they might as well have the disclaimer that says the the opening credits are supposed to be backwards it's fine <laughs> now Cabrini Green, which is the the projects, um, as they were, you know, as they would be called, that's an actual place in Chicago. Yeah, it was actually the set of that or the setting for that show, Good Times, in the seventies. Good times, yes, yeah. you did make a hilarious. Yeah. My thing has always been that the reason the dad on that show disappeared halfway through the series was that the Candyman got him. <laughs> They just said he died in an accident because they were covering it up. I always assumed the Candyman got him. And this just goes to show you that Candyman did take really good care of that baby because he grew up to be perfectly normal. He did. I mean, when I was watching the 92 version, I was like, um, Candyman. First of all, I know you were like around in like whatever, 18, 90 or whatever yeah. it was. So maybe you don't know. You're not supposed to feed an infant under the age of one honey. Well, he was just taking the honey from the bees that were in his body and giving it to him, you know. Mm, he could have died, but I guess that's what he <laughs> wanted anyway, so it didn't really matter, right? Um, but maybe the baby was older than one. I want to also like preemptively say that the continuity of the film is pretty spot on not only obviously with the anthony mccoy character but the mom she has the scar on her arm yep. you know um uh, during her fight in the original film with helen um so that's pretty cool i did i really like the film uh and i'm gonna give my my knives until the end but touch points, um, the film, you know, it's a good, solid sequel, I think. Yeah, it, it's a good sequel. There, the only things that I really had an issue with it was there was one thing that I wasn't 100% sure the guy's motivation on it. I won't say what it is so we don't spoil it. But I, I kind of, his motivation was a little unclear on why he was doing what he was doing. And then there's one scene where the CGI is a little wonky. The CGI is really terrible in that scene. Yeah, and we will just say what these are later when we give the where 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 spoiler alert because we're gonna do the non-spoiler first and then get a little spoily because I mean what's the whole point, right? <laughs> but yeah, so with that, those are the only two problems I really had with it. Was that like I wasn't sure what the one guy's motivation was a little bit. It was a little unclear on that, and then a little like I said with that CGI it was a little wonky. Now there are other scenes in it that look amazing. But then this one just looks like I maybe they ran out of money on that scene. I don't know what it was, but it did not look good. I don't know. It's just like uh, we'll we'll get into that late because I have I have some thoughts on that uh, specific scene. So now it's set now. It's you know modern day and this uh, new version that came out modern day. Uh, there are fla- 2019, there are flashbacks, 21st century, I should say, right? Yeah. 21st century. There are flashbacks throughout the entire film um, that fill in and give you more information on back, you know, stories of the character and kind of like how things, why things developed in a certain way. Um, as I, I mean, 
and the original they were living in the ghetto the issue was cabrini green had someone going around called the candy man everyone was afraid of him but there was uh, a candy man and then a candy man in the shadows so yeah. the candy man was perpetuating the fear that you know the candy man wants out there his legend was alive yeah and helen during her research of the legend of candy man comes in and actually encounters the flesh and bone man that was going around who had named himself the candy man which was a drug dealer and a, a thug who had a hook for a hand well he just had a hook he had a hook and, you know, was perpetually, was using the Candyman name. So then people were scared, you know, as fuck as them. And, you know, it's just one of those instances where the cops are not going to help you because you go to the cops and then you come back and your whole family's dead. You yeah. know, so they're really, the people living in that area are really in a tight fucking spot because they can't say anything. Their silence actually is a way to protect them. Yeah. And... Now, modern day is what would happen in that kind of neighborhood. Of course, it would get gentrified. That's just what has happened in many neighborhoods that I have seen that, you know, an area in the area that I live in and things that are happening. I mean, it happened in New York. It's happening everywhere. So it's logical that it would go in that direction. Um, And the whole race uh thing the race races against one another or the issues within that that's still prevalent as it was in the first movie that was nothing in this film they do add a little more to it um but it's nothing that's out of the blue it's never been done before the white the the first film had none of this in it um but we're not going to really touch a lot of base on that because Personally, I'm just going to talk about this movie and its regard towards the horror portion of it, um, in, in a sense. But did you have, without spoiling, what did you think about the film? And did you have a favorite scene? Or did you feel the same way you felt when you watched the film, the first film? Um. I didn't quite have the same feeling this first time because you know a little more what's coming this time. When I saw it originally, you know, it that's was, true. You had no idea what was coming, and because I saw it back in the pre-internet days, you only the only thing you knew about it was a little bit of article that you read in Fangoria. You knew it was based on the Clive Barker story, but when you read that story, it's a lot different than the actual movie. So you weren't really sure what to expect. Um, but this one, um, I don't know. It does a really good job of. You know, honoring everything that happened in the original without, you know, erasing it from continuity. It just erases the two bad sequels that no one cared about. Um, Kind of like with Halloween. You know, the Halloween reboot that came around a few years ago just erased all the others and said, okay, we're picking up right from the first one. That's what this one does. And, you know, it's not a bad idea because the the first one was a great movie. And this one, like I said, it, it manages to honor all that. And to continue it in an interesting way that feels relevant to everything that's going on in the world. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. Um, I think at this point, 
we have to get into the spoilers. Woo, 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 woo. Unless you, <laughs> unless you think there's something. I feel like you can really can't fully discuss it unless you Do talk about t- talk about key points in the film. I personally didn't think it was as scary as the first one. Part of that, like you said, it is because you know what's coming. I mean, you already have the backstory. You know what it is, more or less. It's, I mean... It, the whole legend of calling, you know, something, an entity or a being or a ghost, whatever you want to call it, via a mirror is, I mean, that's, everyone's done it. Everyone's gone in front of the mirror and, and called out Bloody Mary. Yeah. I mean, that's just something you do at slumber parties, something you just do for fucking fun, the shits and giggles, the fear of, is there something else on the other side of this mirror you know, or can I call upon something that's going to come through? Uh, that this film uses that in a smart way, I think, because, and I love the art insulation of it. There's, um, you know, Anthony McCoy is an artist, just like, wink, wink, the 1890 Candyman, which we'll expand upon that in a second. Daniel Robitaille. Daniel Robitaille. And, you know, he's an artist, just just like he was, a painter. And he uses, he starts, you know, he's he hasn't been able to get the mojo going. He hasn't been inspired in a couple of years. Um, and he has, you know, the girlfriend's brother over. That's how the movie kind of opens, per se. Kind of, um, girlfriend's brother's over and he decides to tell a scary story of something that happened and within that area which is the story of Helen Lyle yeah. and how she had you know decapitated a dog a Rottweil and a Rottweil yeah and of course from his point of view it's just a crazy a woman that came in and went crazy in the neighborhood and started cutting the heads off of dogs and kidnapping babies yeah he he leaves out the whole Candyman portion of it you know, he's just like, oh, she was in there doing research, and then she just snapped one day and went crazy. Exactly. Yeah, he left out all the Candyman stuff because he only heard the scary parts about Helen Lyle. Exactly. And you know from watching, from later on in the movie, why that happened. Because the movie explains to you how that got lost in translation and how only the Helen part still lived. So, and, and, and I'll, and I'll get to that, but so we have that happening and he gets an idea. He, the spark comes within him and he starts doing his own research and going around the neighborhood and taking photos. And upon doing that, he stumbles across, you know, writings on the wall and, and weird shit starts happening. He gets stung by a bee on his hand you know, it's, the cycle begins. Yeah. And then he meets a guy who works down in the Cabrini Green area who starts explaining all the history of the Candyman to him about his Candyman, not the Daniel Robitaille one. He starts telling him about a guy named Sherman that he that was the Candyman in the 70s that they all knew about. Which the movie opens with it being in the 70s yeah. and... You don't know that at the time, but you do when there's so many flashbacks of that character, uh, the, the kid's character. That's how the movie opens it. It's like 1977. And, you know, 
at first I was like, where are they going in this direction? Because we have all seen the trailer many times. We're all, just be honest, we're all fucking waiting for Tony Todd. When is Tony Todd coming out? He's the candy man. That's like, you're going to have a movie about Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's like, where the fuck is Freddy? We got four 11 Freddy, like, you know, four foot 11 inch Freddy. That's not Freddy. Like, no offense to that guy, but we want Robert England. You know, that's who we want. We want Tony Todd. He's the only Candyman. But this film really goes further into the whole Candyman mythology. Yeah. And adds on to it. Not taking away from the Tony Todd, Daniel Robotol, uh Candyman. That's the first one. But that wasn't the only one. Because in order to keep the fear alive and also the wrongdoings of, you know, that have been put upon upon society to these, you know, black men or uh, black men or black children, um, in one instance, they become the candy man and they come and seek revenge and it gets passed down. They don't really go into like, oh, well this happened in 1890 and then you got the next Candyman in 1920. Well, they actually did have a 1921, but they don't go like year to year to year to year to tell you. It just happened over time. And well, there's always been legends throughout the years that like you've always hear the stories about the hook-handed killers. Yes. There's always a hook-handed killer that's out there in the woods somewhere getting someone. And so that just plays into it and says, yeah, that legend, that was Candyman. It was just a different incarnation of Candyman that you're hearing about. And that's kind of cool to tie it to all the different urban legends because the hook hand killers probably go back a hundred or more years, mm-hmm. you know. Because even stories other than uh, than Candyman have had them. You know, you always hear the one about the hook scraping on the, you know, top of the car. They get back to the civil or Texas society and they find the hook sticking in the door yeah. or something like that. The couple that's making out in the 1950-something Chevy and yep. hears over the radio that a killer's on a, a psycho has left us, you know, asylum. And then they fucking have the hook, you know, on the side of the car. They hear the scrapings and the boyfriend gets it. Yep. Like, it has been done many times so this just ties it into it and says all those hook-handed killer stories that you hear about, they're all the Candyman. It's just the fear of the Candyman it keeps perpetuating it and it keeps the original Candyman, Daniel Robitaille, keeps him alive and keeps the legend of it alive. Yeah, which is all he cares about because we know this from the 92 version. Because that was his whole thing. He was mad at Helen because she took away the fear and now the Candyman was going to die because... There was no one out there perpetuating that, you know? So now he had to make her into and add her into the legend of, you know, uh, and bring the fear upon her and make him fucking, like, continue. But because of what happened in that time of the baby... You know, of Helen rescuing the baby because that was a whole fight in the end. He's like, no, she's like, you, that we made a deal. And he's like, it is what it is. We're all going to die here. And the baby's there. She fights back. She grabs the baby and is able to struggle through the fire and all burned and fucked up. She gives the, you know, the baby back to the mom. Yeah. And that baby 
was, I guess, and if you really think about it, it's like, that's like the candy man's victim he didn't, he wasn't able to get. Yeah. And he doesn't like unfucking finished business. And it's also Loose kind ends. of like, yeah, and it's also <laughs> in a way too, kind of like, because, you know, Helen was kind of like the representation of the woman he was in love with and lost years ago when he got killed, then who was pregnant. Yes. You know, so we never really, never really say what happened to that baby. Mm-hmm. So who knows what happened to this kid? And you know, this is sort of the Candyman too. Is probably like you know what we're gonna. I'm gonna take her. I'm gonna take this baby. This is gonna be my family. Yeah. So then in this one, when you know the baby has grown up and you know without doing his own thing, of course, eventually he's gonna get drawn back into the Candyman story. Yes. Though that door, that door that was supposed to be lock and keyed, you know, closed forever gets opened. By this man at the fucking laundromat. Yeah. Because he has, you know... A, his own Candyman story. Yeah, he has his own Candyman story and he has his own, you know, motive of why he does, why he's going to do what he's doing, which I don't know if it's because there's just people talking and behind us and I, that portion of it, of the why on his part, got kind of lost to me. So, and I, I don't think they really clarified that, like, really clear what his motive was. Because, to me, it's just like, why would you want that to happen? I have some theories on it. But, so, the Candyman now is the fear, you know, the door is now being opened because Anthony has decided he's going to put the Candyman uh, insulation, art insulation of a mirror yeah, in the art show that his girlfriend is helping to curate um, with these other two people, another gallery on a gallery owner and, and uh, his girlfriend. And his girlfriend and... It's kind of a cool thing. It looks like the bathroom mirror. When you open it up, you can put your head kind of inside it and see the different art around on the, kind of on the inside. It's like an enclosed yeah. thing. Which is going back to the first one when yeah. Helen opens the... The bathroom cabinet. The bathroom cabinet. You can just get through to the apartment behind you. Yes. So that was really neat. I really like I really liked that aspect of it. And, you know... I like the whole like word of mouth thing because there's a, a young, you know, teenage girl that's there that she gets pulled away from her mom and she's not able to do the whole say, say, the, say my name, which is the name of the art piece, um, five times. But she knows that because she has like the leaflet that you're supposed to say Candyman, she takes it with her and we don't see her until like almost, almost the fucking end of the movie again. Yeah. You know, there... The best death is the first, the the gallery owner and the girlfriend. Yep, who they, she decides to say Candyman in it while they're in there alone. And it does not go well for them. No, it doesn't. I mean, I think that's the best death. Um, all the other deaths are pretty, like, mediocre. They're just basic deaths. I think the, the slashing of the throat, it just looked so real. Yeah, they spent, they did a really good job on that one. Yeah, they did a really, really, really good job. So those were my favorite deaths. Um, I did not think this movie was as scary as it could have been. Um, there I is think a it, lot of more. It, it is more kind of a body horror type thing. It is. It is more body horror. Yes, it is. Uh, there are some scenes. One of the people who was with us was almost passed out over a scene with some fingernails. 
and uh, yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some rough body horror things in this that if that's not your thing, then you might want to pass on this one because there's some pretty gruesome stuff in it. If you do not, if you're, it's like try. It's there's some weird thing, but if you don't like like skin or anything with like a lot of holes in it. Yeah. That's also something to pass on. I don't like that. And that part just like, ugh, it was gross. Yeah. the uh, He starts to develop kind of a strange rash that looks very much like a honeycomb. Yeah. I thought, I thought that he was going to turn into like the fly. It was very Cronenberg-esque yeah. in, that, in, that, in that element there but yeah but he was turning into something else yeah for everyone that went out and saw the trailer how many times you've seen the trailer the first trailer you saw and you you're a fan of the film and you maybe were like he's gonna be the next candy man um spoiler alert he's the next candy man like <laughs> that's the whole thing of the movie with some other elements in there but basically that's, he was born that's what to be the next Candyman. Yes, that's that. That was his purpose. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't find that until way later in the film. Um, the film kind of goes the between the his character and the girlfriend's character. Yeah, you're kind of living between their lives. The one thing I didn't like about the girlfriend is that they kind of had a half-ass development story for her. Her father had committed suicide. He was an artist. He committed suicide over some paintings that he did. I assume maybe they were Candyman related. We never know. I don't think that they were because they don't really touch base on that. Yeah, I always wonder if that was something like they're maybe they're setting up something for a sequel. Supposedly, that was like in the that portion of it was like in the first workings of the script, and it kind of just like got just that piece of it got taken into. And put into this script, and then the rest of it got scrapped. So the whole thing, you put two to two together. Her boyfriend, he's you know a starving artist who lives in a bomb ass building, by the way. But she's an art curator, so he's living off of her. And you know she wants to save. It's the whole fucking damsel in distress, but reverse. She's trying to save him because she sees her father in him yeah. and a subconscious fucking level she's trying to save him because she couldn't save her dad and that i mean was it, it did it need to be there no if they scrapped that scene of the father committed suicide and that it would have not taken away anything from her because she's a woman that's in a relationship with a man that she loves and she wants to save him. That You don't need any more explanation yeah. or backstory on why she would want to do that. Um, and this is a human being that she's living a life with. So, you know, it's fucking tragic. Uh, the movie goes, like I said, back and forth through, you know, different... Uh, it's more more of the so the Sherman Candyman and how he was wronged. He just because he happened to be a creepy black man. Now let me tell you. <laughs> and the reason why he was creepy was because he was hanging around, climbing out of fucking wall, out of walls, handing children <laughs> fucking candy. Yeah. Like uh, like I know you're an old dude. Don't hand out the butterscotch candy or the nasty like strawberry candy. 
You yeah, know, don't just pop out of walls with your hook for a hand and try to shove a piece of candy in somebody's hand. Exactly. That would scare the shit out of me as an adult if I'm just walking by a, uh, you know, I'm in a building somewhere and a dude in a long trench coat with a hook for a hand pops up out of the fucking wall offering me candy. Yeah, I'm going to be the fuck out of there. Yeah, I don't care what race, creed, fucking what you got going. You could be a fucking purple man coming out of there, a green man, a yellow man. I don't care. Anybody. I don't want any kind of person coming out of a wall with a hook. Handing me candy. Handing me candy. I'm not going to take the candy. Yeah, just Might as well just drive up in your van and be like, you want to hop in the back of the van and get the free candy? Come on. It's fine. It's free. Okay, so... He did fucking, the kid did take the candy. Why Why did he take the candy? I don't know. But there happened to be, and that whole fucking Halloween, not the uh, John Carpenter story, but the Halloween legend story of the razor blade in the candy comes into play. Someone was putting razor blades in the candy in that area, and the kids were dying or getting, you know, hurt. And here you have him passing out candy and the cops were like, well, it has to be him. And they just beat the shit out of him and fucking kill him, you know, with no evidence. He's just a black man that has candy. The end. That's all the evidence they needed. They pin it on him. A couple of weeks go by. Surprise, surprise. There's still razor blades with candy in it because it wasn't him. He was an innocent, you know, man, nevertheless, creepy, passing out fucking candy, but fine. Um, And something in that, he becomes the next Candyman because he, he he was done wrong. Yeah. And he becomes the next Candyman. He does kill the... Um, the kid who turned him into the cops. Yeah, the laundromat later on, the laundromat guy. He does kill his sister um, because she's, you know, play, and, and a friend. Because they're playing, you know, call my, you know, say my name in the freaking bathroom. The Candyman. Candyman five times in the bathroom. Sherman comes... And he sees Sherman through the little crack of the fucking door. And it's like, oh, whatever. I guess that traumatized him. Yeah, because they say he needs a witness. He always needs a witness to, you know. To carry the story. There has to be a witness to carry the story. So he got to carry the story. And maybe it was just that carrying the story all this time made him want to pass it on and make it to someone else. But it was just a little unclear why he was was kind of trying to manipulate things later on. Yeah, I don't, that part of the story didn't get, but. There are so many, there's a, a puppet, there's puppet sequences like um, uh, shadow puppets. Yeah, the little shadow puppet things, little paper dolls. Yes, like Deathly Hollow style. That, I love that. It was a smart way to not have to pay for <laughs> for a lot of it, not have to pay any probably rights or any things to the original film. Or have to pay a bunch of extras for scenes where you need people. And also in. paying Virginia Manson or anyone else in the film more money than they already were paying them because they would be showing parts of the you know, the film. They didn't want a whole back to the future slash yeah. you know, aliens uh, issue on their hands um so that was i like that portion of it um the scene that we're talking about that you mentioned earlier with the cgi so someone gets murdered in their apartment of course they live in a high rise and the high rise is fucking glass it's everything's glass so the camera pulls back away from kind of giving like an aerial ish view of this apartment building to show that in a hollow man aspect because there's a lot of hollow man and i mean hollow man it's you it's candy man but you just don't see him he's an invisible man okay 
um, Visible Man sequence. She gets picked up. Then she gets thrown uh, up the window, against the window. And that part, she's a human being. But you see that she gets picked up. And then she's a cartoon character. Like, <laughs> because, and I don't mean literally mean a cartoon character. It just looks so phony because it's a CGI. It's a C, it's, she's CGI. It's not her at all. Yeah. Um, And then she kind of gets wiped around the window, you know, kind of gets dragged down the window and then you know, drops dead. Um, that part, I, I wish they would fix that part. Well, hopefully that'll be one of the things they fix. But yeah, that was, like I said, that was the part I thought was a little wonky too. The CGI wasn't very good on that. Yeah, I think that's why they, I would assume that's why they pulled the camera back because if it was up close, you would 400% sure your eye would, if you would do, you would come out of the movie because you would know that's fake. Like that looks really terrible. Um, so they're like really fuck far away. So then it kind of looks terrible, but you really can't see how terrible it looks, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as bad. <laughs> so that part I don't care for. And then, um, I don't know. I try to think. And then the whole reasoning behind what the motive is for Laundromat Guy. Well, we kind of skipped over what, what we were actually talking about with him. We never actually said what it was he was doing. Well, yeah, I guess we, we kind of did. I mean, we threw some spoilers. I mean, if you want to say what it is, it's fine. Yeah, I'm just telling you, they're, they're, when you see the movie, you'll know what we're talking about. Let's just say that. Yeah. I mean, if you were this deep into the spoilers anyways, we don't want to spoil the whole movie, but... Just 90% of it. Just, yeah, just 9 We're going to save 10%. And we're going to, and we're not going to discuss uh, the last part of the film. The ending, yeah. We'll let that go. Yeah, we'll let the we'll let the ending go, but you know, go we ahead. would like to hear like when you see, when you out there listening when you hear the movie, drop us a comment and let us know what you think about the ending of it. Yes, let us know what you thought about the ending, and you know, a lot of people are gonna have an issue with the movie for this and that and other reasons, but overall, I I give it. I give it four knives. I took a knife earlier because I told someone I gave it five knives, but I'll give it four knives. It's a good solid four knives. Yeah, I would too. It's a, I'll give it four knives as well. It's a good solid sequel. It's probably one of the better horror sequels that's been around in a long time, so I, I can't fault it. for. There's a few things here and there, but for the most part, it's great. Yeah, it was entertaining. Um, I like the adding on to the whole mythos of the Candyman. Yeah. And, you know, it keeps in line continuity-wise with the first one. Um, Not only with some of the characters, obviously, but the whole thing of the gentrification of the neighborhood and, you know, that whole thing. Those themes are still, they're in the original and they're in this one with just a little more added on to it of things that have occurred within recent day. But I, I don't think it's like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen this before. You kind of got it in the first one. So, yeah. um, thank you so much for this, for joining us in this bonus episode of Candyman 1992 and 2021, because we kind of touched base on the 92 yeah. one. So, if you've never seen the first film, watch it before you watch this one. Yeah, it'll help a lot. You'll, you'll see a lot of things in it that you're like, oh my God, they really went there. Yeah, you know what? The other thing I really appreciate from the first film, 
I really appreciate one. It kind of blew my mind that people had issues with the whole interracial thing because they were we were watching um Tony Todd and discuss the whole interracial. There was supposed to be this this kiss and um how they kind of took it away because it was like oh, what grasp my pearls we can't have that on screen it's like it's 1992 it wasn't 1955 like yeah it was 1992 and they were still afraid to show a black man and a white woman kiss on screen yeah but the, i mean not not that i'm remembering i remember when madonna came out with that video uh like a prayer um she was it like a prayer the one where the one where she was gonna kiss she's like kissing like the black no man's feet. idea i have no idea about madonna so i can't tell you anything about that okay well there's a video where she's you know she's in a church and there's like a, a statue you know and it's a black man and she's like kissing up on him and that was like like i remember it was a big fucking deal like they wouldn't show that part they were cutting the fucking music video it was like a whole thing so yes i do remember like that was an issue i was so young then but that was one thing in the original and then the other thing that i liked is that the virginia manson character she is someone that's trying to write a thesis on you know the lore of the candy man and you know her being a woman doing this you know, in that scene where she's having dinner with the professor, the the the, the other prof- the uh, the other professors and her husband and, and her, her husband, husband and that one professor is like, I did that ten years ago, my dear, and they're undermining her and saying, you know, this has already been done, whatever. You're not gonna be able to contribute anything. That whole thing, like you're a woman, you're not gonna be able to do anything. Like I already did it. A man already took care of it. That whole thing, that was like, whoa. Kind of ahead of its time of her taking charge and saying this because she's the fucking main character in the film. Yeah. I mean, the films are revolving around her. Obviously, Tony Todd, he's fucking amazing. But it's her, like, going through it, you know. I really that I really like that that whole theme in that movie. Yeah. Um, but I digress. <laughs> Anywho, thanks so much and stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Goodnight.